0: I'm continuously stirred by the fact that the gospel advances at the rate of relationship. And it's these I met moments. It's these moments where people engage with one another and out of that relationships starts birthing something that brings about transformation, that brings about change within their context.
1: Welcome to the Lausanne Movement podcast, where we have a passion to accelerate global mission together. I am your host, Jason Watson, and in today's episode, we are talking about a new initiative within the Lausanne Movement called Collaborative Action Teams. Collaborative Action Teams aim to mobilize groups of believers to take action in closing gaps and seizing opportunities in our obedience to Jesus' Great Commission. To help us unpack this idea, we sit down with Yuri Creel and Ji Young Yu, who are both key leaders in the Collaborative Action Leadership Forum. First up, we hear from Yuri Creel, who is the Lausanne Movement's Global Director for Collaboration. Locally, Yuri serves as part of the pastoral leadership of Shoreline Church in Austin, Texas, and internationally, Yuri leads Next Move, an organization dedicated to gathering business and church leaders to turn around the negative trajectory of Christianity in the next generation. Let's begin by jumping into our interview with Yuri Creel. Yuri, welcome to the podcast. Good morning or afternoon or evening, whichever space you're in. I would like for us to begin our time together by defining what we mean when we're speaking about collaborative action teams. Particularly, could you, could you break down for our listener, what, what are collaborative action teams and why do you consider them so important?
0: I, I think the what is in the name, right? So it's collaborative, working together it's taking action. It's actually working on the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And then it's teams. It's not individual, but together, right? So it's collaborative action and teams is the simplest definition of collaborative action teams. It's the smallest context that you could pull people together to say, this group of people are working together to fulfill the Great Commission. It's trying to define them. It's trying to mobilize them. It's trying to uh, push them towards the gaps in the Great Commission. It's trying to optimize the opportunities that the current world presents us with regards to them. Um, So that was the first one. What was the second question?
1: Why do you consider collaborative action so important? Especially as as you're speaking about the gaps in the Great Commission, why do you believe that collaborative action teams are a possible solution towards the gaps? Yeah. Well, fundamentally, it's the belief that we're
0: better together, right? So, so I, I'm convinced that two people working together can do more than two people working apart. So, so not only do we remove duplication in the process because we're not both duplicating the same thing when we work collaboratively as opposed to separately, um, but more than that, there's this economy of scales, there's this just working together multiplication factor. Uh, that takes place. One of the examples I really love is that of draft horses. Uh, These incredible animals can pull four tons a single horse. Now, you'd think that two can pull uh, eight tons, but the reality is that that actually two together can do as much as three. And when you train them, two together can do as much as four. And what if we applied that same principle to the church and we said, rather than doing it alone, let's do it together thus eliminating duplication and having this multiplication effect on our efforts together. So I'm convinced that collaborative action teams, though the concept is new to the Luzon movement and the way we frame things, and maybe the terminology of collaborative action teams are new, it's essentially what I think Jesus had in mind in John 17, when he prayed that we'd be one and the world would know that we are his disciples because of the unity that we have. So there's a accelerating factor to the gospel as we come together. Um, but also there's a reality that if you look at the work of the apostles, they were a collaborative action team. They collaborated together. They built teams. If you read through the gospels, wherever they went, they built a team and people collaborated together for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. The reality is that's what Jesus did with these disciples and what the disciples did when they built the church. And so I hope you you're not listening to the podcast today, hoping to hear something new. Because all I've got for you is something ancient with a couple of new words maybe and some modern day application.
1: That's so so good, Yuri. And what I appreciate is you connecting that to what has come before. Because I would imagine that a lot of people listening, even to that illustration of the horses working together, it's beautiful and it's inspiring. And I think the question I would have is what distinguishes this idea of collaborative action team from any initiative that might have been created before to address great commission is there a difference between that or any initiative that you might have whether globally or locally what would distinguish collaborative action team from some of those previous initiatives
0: that's a great question i think to to a large extent i'd go as far as to say that it isn't what distinguishes it that makes it powerful and valuable it's actually the similarity that makes it powerful and valuable because what we're working with when we're working with collaborative action teams it's not trying to say hey, we're starting something new, but it's rather giving a a definition to what is already happening, right? Because if you think about it, a city movement working in a city somewhere is already a collaborative action team. There are a group of people coming together, working together for the sake of their city. There might be church people in there. There might be business people. There might be some nonprofits involved, but that city movement is already collaborating together for the sake of the gospel in their city. So by starting or calling things collaborative action teams we're not trying to necessarily start something new we're just wanting to put a definition to what is happening so that we can see the picture so that we can get a feel for what is happening around the world and we can make the right connections Um, there's a possibility of greater collaboration if we're able to say hey This is a team, that's a team, this is a team, this is what they're working on, and this is how they can work together better. Um, So to a large extent, it's not that this is so new or so different, but that it's just bringing definition to what is happening and maybe tweaking and accelerating collaboration in the process.
1: And would you say that there's a difference between collaborative action teams locally and collaborations that happen in a broader network that you, know, you might have a network that are doing things all over the world. Um, does collaborative action define something that is localized or is it, could it be as broad as a global movement or a global network?
0: I think it's both and so, so we work in a very globalized world, right? So there, there are movements and teams that are working on reaching the digital space around the world, right? So, and their team is global, right? So when I was growing up, I'll never forget, I met my first person from another country when I was 14 years old, right? I met a guy from Denmark and it was like this amazing moment where I met a human being that grew up in another country than the one I grew up. But it, but if you think about it, that that was then, and I'm giving away my age, yeah. but this is now, and meeting people from another Country for my 15-year-old son is Monday afternoon after school playing Fortnite on his computer, and he'll have people from eight different countries in his team, and they'd be not, they'd be having conversations, they're collaborating together, they've got a mission, they're working on it, and they're as much a team as the you know the neighborhood basketball game that he picks up an hour later and they operate locally as a team. So the point of collaborative action teams is not global or local. The point of collaborative action teams is are they working together as a team? So uh, what you're touching on a little bit, which I think is significant, especially within the context of the Lausanne movement, is this question of how is this different from a network? Because for the longest time, we've had issue networks and we've had different networks that would bind into the Lausanne movement. The distinction between networks and the collaborative action teams is that most networks consists of many different teams within that network. So the network leadership might be a team that works together on collaborative action, but within that network, there's many different ones. Let's use movement.org, right? The city, the city issue network within the Lausanne movement. movement.org on all, as a team that's working on catalyzing and starting city movements around the world, uh, they're a team that's working on fulfilling the Great Commission, right? So they'll be a collaborative action team. But so would the team in Charlotte that's that, in North Carolina that's working on it, or the team in Nairobi that's, that's working on it. They would also be a collaborative action team. So, so there's lots of collaborative action teams in most networks. But finding the collaborative action teams doesn't replace the work of the network. The network has value and does collaboration and brings together that particular network in a beautiful way. But what they might not know is that uh, within the network that's focused on a particular goal, like city transformation or teaching a particular people, is they might not know the other possible connections, right? So let's say that the team in Nairobi, Kenya, is working on you know, it's, a, it's business people that come together for the sake of their city, and they're busy working on Ill- alleviating childhood poverty. But but little do they know that although their primary connection to Lazon is through the network of city movement, because they want to alleviate childhood poverty, this team could make a helpful connection to someone in Calcutta doing the same thing. They're not a city movement, but they're a regional movement that's working on childhood poverty. What identifying the teams, the collaborative action teams within the network does, is it helps us make additional connections to that process. For the same token, somebody might be traveling and saying, man, I want to connect with somebody that's doing work in the city. And this name would come up, even though their focus is on city ministry, it would still be a relevant connection for them within that, that context. That's a little bit of the interaction, I guess, between networks and the, the particulars of, of collaborative action teams.
1: Thank you for just bringing a bit more clarity to that. I would like to maybe shift a bit and, and to contextualize it just within your own experience, or re, you've given a whole set of examples that um, of how collaborative action teams have worked, but could you give us um, some personal examples of how collaborative action teams have addressed complex challenges in communities that you feel might inspire our listeners and showcase the tangible impact that collaborative action teams could have even within their own context? Yeah, that, uh, that's a great question.
0: And it's one of those questions that uh, there are so many examples that I have no examples and I have all examples, right? So, that's so good. Yeah. In the ones, every everybody working together in a team to fulfill the great commission is an example of this happening, right? So every space where you're seeing somebody doing something well, uh, every one of our listeners, I'm, I bet could say, Where's a team working together for the sake of the Great Commission, and that would be an example of a collaborative action team, right? So, so every listener would probably be able to come up with five examples. So, in some ways, it's hard to find uh, unique or inspiring examples because everything is an example. But on the other side, what really stirs me as I travel around the world and as I connect with different people is I'm continuously stirred by the fact that the gospel advances at the rate of relationship, and it's these I met moments. It's these moments where people engage with one another and out of that relationships starts birthing something that brings about transformation, that brings about change within their context. So I was, I was in a city and in this particular city, their desire was to see the next generation come to Christ. And so their focus was all about, it was a city team that was focusing on this, this thing but there was a national network in another country that was actually building a way to mobilize teenagers to share the gospel with friends, right? And so what was happening is they've developed the material, they've got the training ready, they've got the whole process ready, but this city movement is reinventing the wheel, right? And so they're asking my advice on the reinvention of the wheel, and I'm asking them, so, so have you considered that somebody might have done this already? And they're like, no, but it's, I mean, if somebody's done it, surely we have heard about it, But which they haven't. And then I introduced them to the materials and they went, oh, that's what we're trying to build, right? So, wow. so they literally got advanced by, you know, two years of work, by just being able to, to piggyback on, on the work. I think my passion for this uh, in a large way, Jason, originated from growing up in Africa. And doing a lot of work all over Africa at some point, I was involved in a ministry that was working into 50 different cities in the African continent. Um, And as you travel around Africa, you see a lot of poverty, but you also see a lot of people trying to address that poverty. Um, And what always struck me about Africa is that Africa isn't poor. Uh, Africa is just poorly led, right? So, So it's a leadership problem. It's an education problem. It's not a poverty problem. The resources abound in Africa. I mean, the people are incredible. The natural resource are fantastic. Uh, they're innovative, but, but there's a leadership challenge, right? So leadership, corruption, those things are the challenge. But everybody trying to do the job comes in and they don't solve the problem because they don't work together. So what you end up seeing in Africa is that if we were to take the resources spent in Africa and we were to remove the duplication, we can transform the continent in a decade. But everybody wants to do it their way, with their own. If you go to Nairobi, for instance, every missions agency in the world has a country coordinator or an East Africa coordinator in the city of Nairobi. But, but they're all doing the same thing. They're all duplicating the same work. Um, and I'm just excited about if we can make the right connections at the right, right time, we can do it. Another example for me is if you look at, the, at some of the, the gaps in the process, right? is we can solve the problems better if we solve the problems together rather than trying to solve the problems alone. So what if sure. we could find these rallying points? We could rally together and rush in together and find new connections that can solve new problems together better than what we can do with that on our
1: own. So you published an article on the Luzon Movement website, and in that you've discussed the importance of identifying the gaps and the opportunities in the Great Commission and in global missions. And you've already begun to unpack some of that for us and for our listeners. Could you just share for us the process that Luzon has gone on, that they've gone on this multiple year journey of, that we've been calling the L4 journey, and there's been a whole listening process, which they've identified gaps and opportunities. Then could you share with our audience uh, some of the gaps and the opportunities that have come through that listening process that you foresee? Yeah that collaborative action teams could potentially address?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. If you think of the gaps and the opportunities, right? Initially, when we started this conversation, we called it the Nehemiah Teams. And the the reason was this metaphor of Nehemiah building the wall or completing the wall around Jerusalem, right? So if you imagine for a moment that the the Great Commission or the performance of the Great Commission or the fourfold vision of Lazon, whichever way you want to look at it, is this wall that is being built. And we've got to finish the wall. Now, if you read the book of Nehemiah, what you'll find in the book of Nehemiah is that there's spaces where the wall was uh, yay and spaces where the wall was a little lower and so forth and so on. And what they did is whenever they were attacked at a point where the wall was lower, they would blow trumpets, and everybody would rally around this particular point where they could, they could you know, fill this particular gap. And then if you read it, everybody was building the wall in front of their own houses, right? So there was this dichotomy of you've got to take responsibility for what's in front of you. Which I think is true. Every, every organization, the best. What's the best thing that you can do for the fulfillment of the Great Commission? Do the part that God has called you to do. Right. So you do your part, and the whole of it will be built. So that's the one side. The other side of it is, from time to time, there are gaps that the person who is in front of that gap can't fill alone. So we need to rally around it and start those those gaps. So if you imagine the Great Commission is this wall you might have heard of something like the 1040 window, right? So the 1040 window or unreached people groups represents gaps within this wall. I think to a large extent, the next generation in the developed world presents another one of these gaps in the wall, right? It's one of these things that we've got to rally around and we've got to figure out how to solve together. And so by identifying the different bricks in the wall if you think of every team working on the fulfillment of the great commission as a different brick within this wall what you'll notice in the wall of the great commission that there are certain gaps there are certain bits missing and there are certain opportunities there are certain uh, bright sparks certain best practices certain moments where we're seeing man this is working so well we need to duplicate this throughout the rest of the wall and our hope is that by getting people to commit to collaborative action, by categorizing these different teams, and this is the network, this is the issue they deal with, this is the region of the world they work in, this is how they relate to generation, by identifying, by getting them to commit, getting them to categorize, and then building connections between these different uh, parts of the world. I'm convinced that we can catalyze action into the particular gap. We can blow the trumpets and say, the church, the Great Commission is being attacked in this particular place. Let's jump in there and go make a difference there because we can do it together. And what's amazing is we will know who's done well in that area and who are the best pieces of the wall. Because the difference between the wall Nehemiah was building and the performance of the Great Commission wall we're building is we're not working with physical stones. We're working with the type of stones that Peter speaks about when he says that the church are living stones being built into a spiritual house. We're building with living stones, but we know which stones fit best and would be best at filling which gaps. And the better we know that, the better we can make these connections, we can put them together into those particular gaps.
1: Well, wow, I love the connection you made to Nehemiah and the rallying cry to go to the gaps in the wall when there's issues. What would you say to someone? I'm sure that as the listener are listening, we can kind of picture two groups of people. You've got the one one group who are listening to what you're saying, Yuri, and they're inspired by what you are saying. And they say, they're say thinking to themselves, wow, I want to move forward with collaborative action. I want to get involved in a team. I want to rally a team around me. And then on the other hand, you might have a group of people who, who are hearing what you're saying. They recognize the importance of it, but they may have reservations about the idea of forming a collaborative action team. What would you say to those groups, those two groups of people? On the one hand, what would you say to the group who are interested? What practical steps could they take? What should they be cautious of? And then to the group that is, has reservations, what would you say to them?
0: We always speak about your conversion as the day you got converted to being a Christian or the day you got saved, the day... You had this conversion from, I'm going to be saved through my own works or on my, my own way, or I'm just going to carry my sin for the rest of my life. And there was a conversion moment and you accepted the grace of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Christ. He's done it all. I can just step into that. I think we need a conversion to unity. Um, I'm convinced that too many people are living the Christian life as if it's an individual endeavor. Uh, for too long, we've been telling people things like you need a personal relationship with Jesus right and i know where that comes from it comes from a church that responded to this idea that when you're born in a christian home you're a christian so it's kind of a cultural experience more than what it is a personal experience so it's the the understanding that if you know if you're born in a garage that doesn't make you a car if you're born in a christian home that doesn't make you a christian you've got to have a personal conviction a personal relationship but the problem is we've overly personalized it uh, and we've lost the fact that the gospel isn't personal The gospel is personal. It has to be personal for you, but it isn't played out individually. It's played out collectively. It's played out collaboratively. It's played out in unity. We have to have a conversion to John 17. We've got to have a conversion to the fact that we're better together. You've got to have a conversion to the fact that you're not supposed to go with this alone. Once you have that conversion, if you feel like you've got a better way of doing it than what I'm suggesting, go for it run with it this is not the definitive answer to it it is a effort to catalyze collaborate and accelerate that so if you don't have a conversion to unity get one Uh, if you have a conversion to unity and you disagree with the system or the structure fantastic come up with a better idea i would love to work with you in that better idea uh, when you come up with it To, to those that are saying man i'm all in i want to do this how do i do this we're in the process of launching this, and we should be rolling this out in January, um, where we're going to start to gather networks, groups of people together, because there's some networks that represent 100 or 1,000 collaborative action teams, right? So so we're going to, to rally them on. Uh, we're going to be ready to bring individuals on. Don't wait to be registered on some platform to start collaborating together as a team. You run with collaboration. You work together. And as we start categorizing and building connections and catalyzing people this, this new season, uh, make sure that you engage with the Luzon process as much as you can. And as you engage with Luzon, uh, you'll receive invitations to to register or sign up or commit your team to global collaborative action. And as, we, as you do that, um, you'll see there's some questions that you answer and that'll help us understand uh, who you are, what you do, And who else in the world we might need to connect you with? So so the next step then is uh, once you've registered and you've committed, uh, we'll then reach out to you and say, hey, do you know about these people around the world that are doing similar things or in a similar way or in a similar space? Um, You might want to consider connecting with them and then we'll rally around the gaps and we'll start saying, okay, guys, we've got to rally around this and we think you've got something to give. Would you be willing to collaborate with these people in filling this particular gap? the Great Commission.
1: Wonderful. And I think I would also add to, as people are waiting for this process to unfold, I would emphasize what you said is begin, start the process. I think sometimes when we look at the gaps in our walls, in our communities, and in our cities, in our countries, we, we are overwhelmed when we look at it as individuals. But as we begin to include people in that process of looking at the wall with you and building the wall together, suddenly it, it feels less overwhelming. And so begin by inviting people into a process that have the same passion, share the same interest, and are able to build, begin that process of building. Uh, Yuri, I, I want to shift a bit to, to get a little bit more personal with you. I- I've heard that you have a passion for leadership, and I've heard that you, had a, you have a passion for the next generation. And I would love to hear from you, what advice would you give to a next generation leader who's listening? It can be connected to collaborative action or could be something is completely disconnected. If a young leader was sitting across the table from you and said, Yuri, give me the best piece of wisdom that you have for me as a young leader, what would you say to them?
0: There's so many things. Fail often and fail quickly. I'm convinced that success is far more dangerous than failure. But we live in a world that tells you that what you need to be in order to be successful is you need to be successful, right? So you've got to, to be a leader, you've got to be successful. But here's the problem is when we're successful, we repeat what we've done. When we fail, we look for a better way. And the problem often is that success tests us in ways failure never will because success causes us to copy, paste, repeat, and keep doing the same thing rather than engaging and trying different things. So I would encourage leaders to get going, to try new things, to try new ways to give it their all, and when they fail, just make sure that you fail quickly, right? So in other words, when you fail, don't wallow in your failure, try something else, get up and try again. So I think that would be one piece of advice, another piece of advice, and we've been discussing this all day, but the reality is just that we've got to not go it alone. This fallacy that leadership has to be lonely is a fallacy is yes, there's complexity to relationships when you're in leadership. I'm not denying that. But that you need to do it alone is a fallacy. So make sure that you do life with people together. And yes, that sometimes means that you've got to let go of your pastoral mystique or your leader's mystique, that you've got it all together and you've got to drop it and be honest and be real with some people. But make sure that you surround yourself with people. We're back to the wall. Sorry for the wall analogy being being overused today, but if you think of a wall, a wall has a layer of bricks above it, right? So who are the people that's pouring into your life? And a brick has some bricks aside from it. So who are the peers that you're doing life with? And bricks have bricks below it. Who are the people into whose life you're pouring into? And if you're built in like that into the wall, you'll be in good shape. Uh, So always make sure that you've got mentors, teachers, fathers, those who are investing in you those that's doing life with you and those that you're investing into and if you have those three layers of leadership in your life or relationship in your life your leadership will be healthy
1: that's so good yuri thank you for that i would love to hear what life lessons have you learned as you've engaged proactively in collaboration you mentioned that collaboration is complex and when you bring complexity into a team environment you know that that shifts everything what lessons have you learned? from collaborative action teams that you've been involved in and how has that shifted your own leadership approach? Collaboration is one of the hottest things on the planet. It's one of the most powerful
0: things, but it's one of the hottest things. And the problem is, as a Ukrainian friend of mine many years ago explained it to me as I was complaining to him about my church, he looked at me and said, ah, Yuri, if uh, the church was full of fruits and vegetables, it would be easy, but now it's full of people. (laughs) And I'll never forget that because they're the reality is that the power of collaboration is the potential of people, but the difficulty of collaboration is the potential of people to be difficult. And the stronger the people, the stronger the people you work with, the higher capacity people you work with, the harder it is to get them to work together because they believe they can do it themselves. And self-made people worships their creator. But you're also stuck in this situation where you've got, where you've got powerful people that can do it themselves but you've got to convert them to doing it together and at the same time you've got different people with different personalities right so if you've got if you've got two people working together you've got one line of relationship if you have three people to working together you've got three lines of relationship the, the reality is that if you go to four it it multiplies you've got six lines of relationship by the time that you get to 10 people working together you've got 45 lines of relationship right? So it multiplies the levels of relationships you've got to manage. It's hard, but the better you can do it, the more you can do. It's not as easy as saying, well, if it's what I can do and it's what you can do, that the sum of that, there's a multiplication that takes place. And because of that exponential multiplication, yes, the lines of relationship multiply, but at the same time, our effectiveness multiplies. Our elimination of duplication multiplies. Ultimately, uh, it's hard and it's difficult and it doesn't just happen. Uh, It involves a lot of cups of coffee and a lot of meals together. But if you think about it, barring the coffee, which I don't know if Jesus drank, that's exactly what he did, is he walked with people, he talked with people, he ate with people, he sat down with people, and that's how he did what he did. And I think we've lost that in how we Mm. do what we do to a large extent.
1: Thank you for those words, Yuri. I know that there's going to be a lot of people listening to this podcast who are going to be joining us in Seoul next year, either in person or online. I would love for you, as we close this podcast off, could you share with us what your hope and prayer is for Lausanne's gathering in Seoul 2024?
0: Yeah, that's that's a big one, and I'm maybe the first thing I need to say is that I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited about the possibility. I'm excited, so excited about the fact that we are gathering together in the way that we are. I think it is going to be an incredible time together. But I think my expectation is a little bit in the context of the history, right? So. So it's easy to connect the dots looking backwards, right? It's easier to understand the future by looking at the past. And if I consider the journey up until here for Lizan, Lizan 1, 1974, it was all about the Lizan covenant, right? We need to covenant together. We need to agree. These are the things we can agree on. There's more pulling us together than what's pushing us apart. These other things. By nineteen eighty nine, the second Luzon gathering, when they got together, the whole point was collaboration and then they were figuring out different things. By twenty ten, we went for the Cape Town commitment, right? It's we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this together. I believe that the next step, the thing that we're on the verge of is this idea of taking action together. I believe that there's a collaborative action that's about to take place in the church that never before have a generation being at this brink of being able, the church has never had more resource. The church has never been more connected. Our ability to connect to the entire planet, to every tribe, tongue, and nation around the world has never been greater than what it is right now. And never in its history has that church had greater resource, greater information, greater products, greater ways of explaining the truth. We're ready to go. If we can remove the duplication and work in synergy, I'm convinced that as a generation, we can fulfill the task given to us by the Great Commission in our generation. And that is my hope, uh, that that Seoul would be this catalyst that will catalyze collaborative action within the global church.
1: Wow, thank you for that, Yuri. That's truly inspirational. And I'm trusting that as people who are joining at Seoul, I'm sure that they're more excited for those who aren't joining us. I'm sure that they wish they were now. So uh, thank you for that, Yuri. And thank you for your time, the investment that you've given in this podcast and the value that you've added to our listeners. Truly appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for getting the word out there and keeping us connected in
0: this season. So really grateful.
1: Well, I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Yuri. There's so much potential in the kingdom of God, and all that we need to do is set aside our own agendas and meet together at the table. Next up, we have an inspiring conversation with Ji Young Yoo, who unpacks her heart behind the collaborative action teams. Ji Young currently lives in South Korea, where she is the operator and manager of a Christian publishing company called With Jesus Press. She is the secretary for Korea's Luzon Younger Leaders Generation. A co-leader of the Collaborative Action Leadership Forum and an associate director of Lausanne's 2024 Soul Gathering. Let's jump into an inspiring conversation with Ji Young Yu. Well, Ji Young, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being willing to be a part of it. Um, it's so great to be in your home country. We are recording this in Incheon, and it is just a few kilometers away from the Conventia, we're going to be holding the Seoul gathering next year and um, I'm really excited to be here. We are here in Seoul to go to a prayer gathering. But The reason why we're interviewing you today is because a large part of what we're going to be doing at Seoul next year has got to do with collaborative action. Right. So you're looking at the walls of the Great Commission, mm-hmm. you're looking at the centuries of work that the global church has put together to right. advance the gospel. Mm-hmm. And we're saying, for the next generation, for the next 10 years or so, there are these essential gaps yeah. within the walls. Mm-hmm. When we're speaking about collaborative action, have, have you had any personal experience mm-hmm. of collaboration mm-hmm. that has inspired you, mm-hmm. uh, that can kind of just take this from an I- a great idea to just a, a lived experience?
2: Right. So one of the experiences that I had was the East Asia YLG gathering that we had in, back in 2019. It was just before COVID broke out. And we were planning that for two years. And there were delegates from each country at about eight countries within the East Asia region. We were Zoom calling every month for two years before that gathering. and. Not only the gathering, about 300 people gathered for that. And it was a great opportunity of the participants were able to connect together. But I think before that preparation itself of us, each from different countries, different cultures, different ages, but we were able to put our minds together, work at a table. We met like twice or three times in person throughout those years. but. The relationship that were built from that preparation in itself was great. But the product that we created together, the gathering itself, were great for the participants, but as well as the volunteers, because a lot of Korean volunteers came from different churches, different organizations, but all of them were saying that I really was touched by how we were able to connect together even though we're from different backgrounds and how um, God kind of creates a collaborative spirit within us. Um, so that's overall the positive experiences that we as a group community um, had together. Actually after on, it sprung out the Japan YOG that is planning for next year. So I see how collaborative work that God creates mm-hmm have different layers it's not just one project but it's a different layers that got created and it has a, a so much potential in itself that it blooms into something that we can never imagine
1: I love that you mentioned the length of time it takes to put together mm-hmm. a gathering an amount of energy to make mm-hmm. this kind of thing happen I think you know, it's almost it's almost like church gathering. Sometimes people think that the pastor just stands up and preaches. Right. Uh, but there's so much more that goes on behind mm-hmm. it. When you bring a diverse group of people together, when you're talking about generations, mm-hmm. when you're talking about ethnicities, even countries and and um, different regions, that there's complexity right. in diversity. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. We know we know that the scriptures speak about the beauty of that. Think of Jesus' words where he says, by this, all men will know you are my disciples if right. you love one another.
2: Right. How, how,
1: how in those spaces, in your experience of collaboration within preparing for these gatherings and different opportunities, have you um, experienced that complexity and overcome that complexity? Uh, I guess another way I would ask this is what would you say to a leader who says, you know, collaborate action is a nice idea. They can understand the biblical idea behind it, but..." that they are mission-driven, they have purpose, they have meaning, and they're saying, well, I can do more by myself. What would you say to a pastor or a church leader, organizational leader?
2: I probably first of to say, I agree with you 100% because I am wired same way. I'm kind of person that I prefer efficiency over relationship. So I just need to get work things done. I don't care about, you know, the connections being made, you know. I was... Or I think I'm oriented that way. So I completely understand that stance. But at the same time, what I realized after limited experience that I had about these collaborations and these connections that were being made is that if you do it alone, you probably get the job done faster, maybe. But you'll never do more. You'll only do what you are plan to do. And you just maybe have it faster, but that's it, usually. But what I experienced from my experiences say that it is messy. And sometimes you feel like, you know what, I'm just done with this. Just It's just too much things that are going on that you just want to leave the table. There were moments like that. And sometimes it takes just so much unnecessary time in my point of view to get to the point that I thought that <laughs> it should get. So it feels like it's going around rather than going into a very obvious direction. But I'm always amazed at the end mm. by the way God had done and led this whole process and, and, and conclusion and with this it seemed like a wasted energy, wasted time. And he weaves into something beautiful and incredible, amazing. And he never failed one. Like he never failed. Every single time he weaves this wasted time, wasted energy into create something beautiful. And that's the experience that I had. And through each time, I find my limitation how limited I am. I thought I was gonna able to do all by myself. But with this collaborations, I see my limitation. I see my shortcomings. I see uh, how short-sighted I am Mm. and how incredible things that God placed in each of the people's heart and abilities and the goodness he placed in them and how beautifully we uh, complement together. How can we work together? So it truly makes me see the the beauty mm. of working together. It he always be able to do far more than we can ever imagine if we allow him to orchestrate things, and me being just a part of his orchestration. Wow! You
1: know, as you were speaking, I was just reminded that song where it speaks about where where there is unity, God bestows his mm-hmm. blessing. And and also just the scripture in, in Corinthians where Paul speaks about the body mm-hmm. and how the hand cannot say right. <laughs> to the feet I don't need you right and when the body works together mm-hmm. we can do so much more yes yeah. and and go further and faster that mm-hmm. it takes that that time mm-hmm. and, and the humility right. and the willingness mm-hmm. to be frustrated mm-hmm. and. The humility to know that you're probably frustrating someone Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But when you come together, that blessing happens. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear from you as one of the leaders mm-hmm. on, on the Collaborative Action mm-hmm. Leadership Forum. What, what gap or what gaps do you see that are prominent mm-hmm. that you believe the next 10 years mm-hmm. God is wanting to advance and to accelerate mission within those fields?
2: I personally, so it's I, the areas that I'm personally yes. invested in is the next generation, and I feel like even within Korean context as well as a global context that we need to have. It's it's an area that no one can do alone, mm-hmm. and it's an area that we desperately needs a collaborative action because we're looking into a generation that shares a globally unique but same experiences. So I think this is a first generation that shares and consumes the same content as they were growing up. You're from a different country than I am. As we were growing up, I probably think that we consume different type of TV shows or the musics that we listen to. But I think this generation, they, through their the help of the YouTube and everything, yes. they consume the same music, same videos, same media contents as they were growing up. And they experienced the same pandemic. It's just the first time in the history the global population experienced the same pandemic all at the same time together. So I think this generation will be vastly different than our generation or the generations before. So I think we need a global collaborative action together to reach out this generation, as well as the local collaborations, because they're still in their unique culture. So I think this is the one area that we desperately need a collaborative action together to reach them.
1: I I agree with you. I, I share a passion for the next gen. And I spend most of my ministry years working with them. I, I'd be curious to, for us to explore just a little further, what would it look like for there to be a global collaborative action towards reaching and ministering to and raising up the next generation mm-hmm. of Christians? What would it look like to, to move beyond just, we need this, to, right. this is what it could potentially look like right. globally and then regionally. Right. Uh, could you maybe unpack that for us?
2: I think one of the things that I can think of mm-hmm. from the I had is the creating a content that will be able to reach out to global next generations. Because, you know, other secular part of the world is doing that just now. That they're reaching out not just for one audience in a one c- continent, but they're planning and making things to reach the global viewers. And I think that's something that we need to do it at the same time, together as a making a global contents, but at the same time, I think we need to scoop out the winning stories of the local churches or the local grounds. Because I hear, as I travel around the world, I hear the winning stories of reaching next generation. But I think we, as a like a just a general church, we are having this defeated minds. You know, the trajectory is going down. We are losing our next generation. You know, it feels like we're failing. But, at the, but I'm not, the, I don't agree with that. God is doing his thing in this generation still. And we need to hear those winning stories. We need to and, and develop those stories so that it could be heard. So that people will take lessons from each wow. other, learn yes. from each other, and connect with each other, encourage with each other. I think it is something that we need to do for the next generation.
1: Wonderful. To shift a little bit Mm -hmm. and speak about what your experiences or what you anticipate to be hindrances to collaboration, and then connected to that question, Mm -hmm. what are some aspects that you believe will contribute to to people being willing to collaborate together Mm -hmm. for something like a project like that, a a global initiative Mm -hmm. to reach the next gen? Mm -hmm. What would be some hindrances that we can look out for Mm -hmm. and what would be some uh, things that we can can say this will help Mm -hmm. make the acceleration of this better?
2: I think one of the hindrances that that I can think of is the impatience because collaboration takes time. Almost always it takes time. It takes time to, sometimes you have to wait indefinitely, it feels like. Sometimes you'll just have to not, like you have to endure. You just have to not, uh, your mind, you just have to hold it. But through those processes, because if you can't, if you're impatient, if you cannot wait, if you cannot endure, then a lot of times you become a stumbling block for the collaboration. Um, the other person, might not be impatient, but if you're patient, if you can wait, it can still work. Um, so I think impatient is something of the hindrance. Um, but I think one of the key, and I, I think this is the first and foremost ingredient to the collaborative action is a crisis. Mm. Because we're not collaborating because it's a virtue that we need to ver- pursue. Because a secular world also collaborates. They collaborate to benefit from each other. Mm-hmm. They, they call it win-win, right? You win, I win, we collaborate. But I think in our context, even though I lose, even though I gain nothing, I am collaborating because of the credit. That is the mentality that we need to have. Because a lot of times you have to be impatient, you have to tolerate. And what do you do? How can you do that? In a long period of time, it's because the Christ that you are died with the Christ. Just Galatians 2.20 mm-hmm. says, I died with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Mm-hmm. and Christ, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And through the Christ lives in me and you, we can collaborate together. Mm-hmm. We're centering around, we're collaborating around Christ. Not, not even the gaps or the finishing of the Great Commission is our mission. But Christ Himself is our our core mission and it's the key ingredient for the collaboration.
1: I I love the contrast you painted between it saying this is not just a value mm-hmm. that we're trying to you know, achieve, mm-hmm. but it's it's Christ that we've got to fix our eyes on, the author mm-hmm. and the perfecter of our faith. And mm-hmm. connected back to Galatians, he says, you know, when you when you follow that process, mm-hmm. it's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither mm-hmm. slave nor free. We're all one in Christ. Yeah. Um, and, and as you were speaking, I was also just reminded of the fruit of the Spirit mm-hmm. is patience. So, you know, And, and that love is mm-hmm. patient and it's kind. And when we pursue Christ, those are then the attributes that will enable us to experience a collaborative action. Yes. Yeah, we're going to close off this mm-hmm. interview, and um, I would love to close us off by just Um, bringing it more to a local Mm -hmm. level. We are your beautiful home country here. And I would love to hear from you what your prayer is for South Korea, the local church, Mm -hmm. the cities that are represented here, Mm -hmm. um, and how potentially you could see collaborative action becoming something that could really, spawn the mission of God and the kingdom of God in this space.
2: So Korean church now, we are, Facing a first time in a history after introduction of the Christianity to this country, a decrease uh, of Christianity. So it was booming in in seventies, eighties, nineties. Now, but we are looking at the decrease of the Christianity. And I feel like it's just as the next generation piece. I don't think that this is a defeated thing or something that we need to be disappointed. But I think it's something that we need to, it's an opportunity that God has given us, that we need to rethink um, what it means to be a Christian Mm. in this society. Uh, Because it feels like before, as the society and the economy was growing, the Christianity was growing with it, but a lot of it were connected to the prosperity gospel. That if you believe in God, you will have no worries. Everything will go great. That mentality was kind of deep-rooted in the Christianity in Korea. But now it's an opportunity for us to rethink what it means to be a Christian. And I think the preparation for this Congress itself is for the Korean church. That So Korean church now having this emergency kind of state that, wow, what, what's going to happen next? And then COVID was a, a, a huge element to that as well, that a lot of people leave church. But I think culture Christians are leaving church. So as this moment that Korea, the Korean church is rethinking what it means to be a Christian mm-hmm. and also how can we now work together? Because before there were mega churches, there were churches doing their own things. But through, throughout the COVID, the, even the mega churches are thinking, hey, we cannot do this alone. So I think God set it this perfect ground for Korean church in preparation for the Lausanne 4, but at the same time, not just to Lausanne 4, but beyond mm. to, we can work together. First time in the Korean church history after the first bit, but now we are, it's the time for us to working together. And I think preparation itself is working together. It's a work together of the churches and the mission organizations, agencies, working together with the Global Lausanne. So all, all the preparation itself is a collaboration at this point. So I think this positive experience of collaboration will benefit uh, Korean church in a way that after the Congress, uh, we're not just party planners that plan for this events but well, we are the ones that are taking um, these benefits and moving uh, it to the Lausanne spirit will actually positively impact the Korean church after That's my prayer.
1: Wow, and I'm going to join you in that prayer. And, Thank you. Um, I'm personally excited about how the Korean church can inspire mm-hmm. the global church to be collaborative together. When I think of all the churches that are partnering together to make the soul gathering happen it just inspires me and so as someone from i want to thank you for all that you're doing to inspire us and uh, once again thank you for your time and for uh, participating in this podcast thank you
2: for having me it was great time for me as well
1: Well, I hope that you enjoyed today's interviews. But most of all, I hope that you've left today's conversations inspired to collaborate with others towards closing the gaps and seizing the opportunities in the Great Commission. If you've enjoyed today's conversations, wouldn't you take a moment to rate and review this podcast and share it with a friend? Next week, we're going to dive into some of the details surrounding the Seoul 2024 Congress with Dave Bennett, the Congress Director, and we're going to chat with Evie Roderman, who speaks about the significant impact that gatherings can play in the life of a leader? Here is a clip from my interview with Dave
3: Bennett. Oh, but there are still a lot of gaps remaining. And it's too big a task for any of us to do alone. We need more collaboration. So as the world changes, as the the needs, the gaps evolve, every every so often the body of Christ needs to take a fresh look at In the light of that unchanging vision, where are we now? What's the work that remains to be done? Where are we in silos? Where do we need to work together better and find ways of engaging in collaborative action? So there were a number of years between the first Congress and the second Congress. It's been, it will have been 14 years since the third Congress. Our world has changed a lot. The church is growing rapidly in some parts of the world. New missions movements are coming. So it's a good time to take a fresh look at what's happening and what still needs to happen in order to see uh, the fulfillment of Jesus' command to make disciples of all the nations.
1: Well, I hope that you enjoyed today's interviews. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to rate and review our podcast. Until next week. Cheers.